the Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast. We'll help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey and helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment. Welcome everyone to the Spiritual Brew Pub. I'm your host, Michael Camp, and we have an amazing guest today. Susan Cottrell of the Freed Hearts organization is with us. And uh, this is a really amazing organization. Their tagline is changing the human conversation on love and inclusion. And uh, going a little bit into their website, I discovered that they, they help those in the LGBTQ community deal with family, religious, and community wounds, and find chosen family. So many people are wounded by the church or by family in the LGBTQ community, and they need help and uh, support. And they also come alongside parents to help them understand their lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender children uh, to keep them, uh, their kids safe and their family strong. As well, they help those in the non-affirming church be more inclusive. Uh, Susan has been featured on uh, news shows, ABC, NBC, The Advocate, Good Morning America. She's done a TEDx talk, and she's the author of Mom, I'm Gay, Loving Your LGBTQ Child and strength, Strengthening Your Faith. Susan, welcome to the Spiritual Group Pub podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're so excited for you to be here and uh, be one of our guests. Um, we're going to have a great conversation and hear your story. We're going to hear Susan's story, how she came to this uh, um, work that she does out of the evangelical church and how she evolved. But what I like to do is tee up conversations like this uh, so we kind of put things in context. And um, Susan, your, your journey and your husband's journey uh, is so representative of many people who are deconstructing their evangelical faith and discovering a new paradigm for faith in God or faith in Christ. And yes. it sounds like in your case, it started with deconstructing judgmentalism that you yes. found in the church. And uh, later on, you know, getting into the Bible and what it teaches about homosexuality so you can learn for yourself. Uh, and for other people, it starts in different areas. For me, for example, uh, it started with just wondering about why does the evangelical church uh, say they have all this authority over believers? And then I looked at the inerrancy of the Bible. Why do they claim, uh, why, and I, even I believe that for a while, uh, why do we believe that the Bible is inerrant? And then looking into the doctrine of hell. And then at some point, 
for me, um, I, are you familiar, familiar with Mel White? Yes. Yes. He wrote a book, uh, Stranger at the Gate, uh, his yes. story of coming out of the evangelical church as a gay man. And um, I had a similar experience as you. Um, my friend Gary, uh, uh, we worked together on the mission field for probably we overlapped for four years. He had, he was married, had two kids. Um, uh, a few years after we left the mission field, he calls me up and says, Mike, I'm gay. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. we had that whole conversation and wondering, whoa, how did I not see this? And, and, and all that that goes with it. Um, and then one of our other guests that came on our show, Julie Ferwerda, told me about your ministry or your work, and uh, that's how we got connected. So um, it's, a, it's great that uh, we finally are talking today. What I really like about your story is when you realized that this is just not about your family, um, and you're going to tell a little bit about how you know you you're someone in your family uh, was affected, um, but but it's also about many hurting people out there, both in the LGBTQ community, but also their parents, and many of them who are trapped in a judgmental evangelical faith and are judging their gay children because they think that's what God wants them to do, or that's what the Bible or the historical church has taught. Um, and then you started to pivot and you started to uh, realize that, oh, I got to help just not just my family, but also other people. Uh, and you started to delve into, you know, why that narrative is really false and unhistorical about uh, you know, being uh, judgmental towards the LGBTQ community. So let's start off by asking, um, you know, you were in the evangelical church for 20 years. What kind of experience was that to be in a church movement that underneath was judgmental towards the LGBTQ community? Okay, the thing is, it started out meeting a need for us. We, we were facing some things just, you know, that, that um, we wanted some community. And right. our kids were little, we wanted community. And mm -hmm. we found this church and it was great. It was great. And the people were loving and kind and embracing. And we grew and these women helped me. They did Bible studies with me and all of these things. And it really met a need. And we, we were there for a long time and we became leaders and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and we moved. So we went to different churches as we moved places. But um, the thing that started happening kind of years into it was we began to notice the undercurrent that if people didn't quite um, toe the line of what was expected, if they had issues that were beyond what the church's answer would be, which is basically to to pray more, read the Bible more, and come to church more. And tithe, right. You know? <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah. Then if it if it if that didn't help it, then they had nothing to offer. And mm -hmm. and it felt almost punitive more than, you know, oh, right. like, well, if you're it, yeah, I don't know, there must be something you're not doing kind of thing. <laughs> right. And right. that began to we noticed that more and more because that's kind of an undercurrent underneath it you don't see that when you're um when you're not being hurt by it 
And that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and we saw it in relation to, you know, in a lot of ways, but when our daughter came out, suddenly we knew in that very moment that we were not going to fit in the church anymore in the same way that, that they would, we'd have to do something, either change our views, reject our daughter, try to get her to change, you know, or, or pretend it wasn't there. You know, nothing that was really life-giving and whole. Um, right, right. Yeah. And so, that must have been yeah. quite an experience. Um, you know, what, what did it feel like? I mean, tell us a little bit about that. Your daughter came out and um, uh, you're, you're, you've got this dilemma. All right. What, what, yes. what, is, what does that feel like? Uh, you, it sounds like your church had a, a certain way of dealing with it and you thought oh, there's a red flag there. And now you, it really hits home. It's someone in your family. Yes. And you can't, you know, what, what was that like? What did it feel like? Yeah. So when she came out, I was at home cleaning the bathroom, as I said in the TED talk. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> and um, she told me, Mom, I think I'm bisexual. I've tried to resist it. I've tried to change it. I prayed about it and it won't change. And I thought, oh my gosh, here's my beautiful, lovely daughter, um, stellar in every way. And now because of this reality for her, we're, I mean, the thoughts were, uh, um, is she going to be okay? Will she fall in love and marry, you know, um, be in love with somebody the way Rob and I love each other? Will she mm-hmm. be cared for? All of that. But also, we'll never fit in the church in the same way again. And I didn't, I didn't mean it like, um, oh, Annie, how could you do this? Now we're not going to fit in the church. It wasn't that at all, although that is a common response for parents. But it wasn't that. It was who in the world is the church that it got to this point that we wouldn't be accepted because of our daughter now? And she wouldn't be accepted. Would, mm-hmm. Who is this entity that suddenly we had this reality of what it would be when she came out? And it mm-hmm. felt, it, looking back, and probably subconsciously in the moment, it was a real indictment of the church that they are not the love of Christ. In, right, right. Right? Um, and there are churches, I really mean the evangelical non-affirming church when I say that. Mm-hmm. other churches right. i'm not speaking to that right um so yeah yeah and, so yeah go ahead well and oh well you asked me you know the response of the church and everything well i went to some friends the closest friends in my bible study and i shared with them kind of one-on-one over coffee you know as women do and i said my daughter's bisexual blah blah, blah. and the response i got was it's a sin and you can't accept it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, where, in what other way do we say that? You know, um, it, it, it felt so reductive, reducing mm-hmm. me to just, we're, we're now lawbreakers. And, right. and I, I shared with my small Bible study too and got the same response. I thought, this is just not right it's not jesus it's not the gospel it's the church and institution response right and they always have an answer that, uh 
you know, that, well, you know, um, the Bible says, you know, homosexuality is a sin. And, and uh, we'll get into this a little bit later uh, yeah. about how people approach the Bible um, as, and use it as a rule book. But yeah, that's definitely the in mentality and it's, yes. it's not only just with the LGBTQ uh, issues, it's also with other things as well. There's just, at some point, there's a, uh, you know, uh, a narrative or a view that, mm -hmm. that certain types of behavior are just outside the, the code of conduct and right. they are sinful. And, you know, if, if unless you uh, change and repent, uh, then you are in danger of, well, all kinds of things, including right. going to hell, <laughs> right. and, you know, being a heretic or whatever, you know, that's so right. that's, and, and so it's just amazing. Um, so I was it's curious, like, yeah, go ahead. It's like a country club, you know, in the fifties where they exclude blacks, they exclude women, they exclude, they exclude Jews and, and definitely poor people, of course, but, you know, but if you don't have a tie, in a suit, you can't come in. That's, that's the line they draw. Right, for, right. You know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, did your, I'm curious, did your evangelical friends try to get you to pursue uh, what some people call an ex-gay program for your daughter? You know, <laughs> to be truthful here, I did not stick around long enough to, okay. to find that out. When yeah, we, that, yeah. We, they would have, but we, after, after I got that same response, like they, they read it in a rule book of it's a sin and you can't accept it. Mm -hmm. And I received that several times from my friends. You know, I talked to Rob. I mean, I thought we're friends, right? And I talked to Rob about it and we said, you know, we're, we're, we're done here. And um, it's interesting because much later when I, well, much later, I don't know, a year later, whenever I started my blog and I wrote my first post, somebody from the church, one of those friends, um, messaged me and said, you know, you're kicking a lot of dust up here with this blog <laughs> yeah. at the church. And I thought, oh, do you want to tell me anymore? No, she didn't want to tell me anymore. But they knew later, you know, that I had started writing. Um, but no, nobody reached out to me afterward. Nobody and nobody in this process said, how are you doing? Mm. And nobody said, how is your daughter doing? Mm -hmm. the, it was so revealing to me that the interest was not in our welfare, it was in our, our rule keeping. Yeah, interesting, yeah, so, that's right. Very interesting. Right, yeah, that's so, it's so, so much of it is focused on, 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 on the rules. As long as you keep the rules, everything is mm -hmm. okay, but as soon as you go off on yeah. the, out of the boundaries, you get these kinds of similar reactions. Uh, yeah, and remember, it's only particular rules. It's only certain rules that had become important. Right. I, you know, we don't feed the poor in this church, but, you know, which Jesus said to do. And that's like 300 times in the Bible, take care of the poor. Um, but, you know, but you, so you keep just these rules. It's, right. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. yeah so is there, 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 the non-negotiables are, are tend to be legalistic and uh, uh, moralistic and, you know, codes of conduct that are religious or, or moral, but not necessarily, oh, you don't, you know, 
you, you don't eat, feed the poor and it's a regular part of your <laughs> your right. giving strategy and that that's right. okay you know as right. long as you <laughs> toe the line in these other areas right uh, so yeah those ex-gay programs i'm a, a little familiar with them my friend gary uh tried to go through one of those and that didn't work out um uh i i used to work for a mission organization uh here in seattle uh, that had its headquarters right above our office. It was called Exodus. I don't know if you ever heard of Exodus mm -hmm. International. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, and they they they've gone through their own evolution. I don't even know if they're still around, but well, uh, they I finally can tell came you about out. That. Yeah, yeah. They they finally came around and said, "Hey, you know, I think we're not uh, handling this right." Um, and I th I think the organization. Uh, it is defunct. They closed their doors in 2013. Yep. Yep. And the, the then president of it, Alan Chambers, issued an apology right. for all the damage caused by trying to pe get people to be ex-gay, to not mm -hmm. be gay anymore. Mm -hmm. And he said it doesn't work. We, they, they had 37 years that they tried to make this work. And they finally concluded, nobody has done that big of an experiment on this until Exodus. And, it was, and, they, and they said after 37 years, we've had to admit that this does not work for 99.9% .9 of the people. Yeah, right. Uh, which is basically 100%. Almost 100%. People right. do not become straight. And, yes. he, and he, he said to us personally, Alan Chambers did, he said, I know all those people that are publicly, you know, I used to be straight and now I'm gay and now I'm straight. And those, those men, he said, they're all still gay. They've just chosen to be married to a woman. And, well, it's and, like my friend Gary, he was that. married for years and he had two yeah. kids. I mean, it's yeah. like, you can pull it off, but it's not your real self. It's no, like, and it's damaging to the wife and the children. Exactly. Because yeah. he's not it's, fully who he is. And, and many of them years later say, I can't take this anymore. And they come out and the, and the whole family's disrupted and everybody's badly wounded. You know, and whereas if they had been allowed to just be who they were in the beginning, yeah. they could have been with somebody that was right for them. And this woman could have married somebody who actually was straight. I mean, right. Yep. You no. Know? Yeah. Yep. That is so common. And, yes. um, and, and then as the ex gay, uh, you know, movement um, has been exposed, uh, you know, these, there's a, there's a um, big, toll on people's uh, psychological and emotional being well-being um, you know but when you're you know you're trying to get someone to say you know oh if you just read the bible more if you just you know ask jesus more if you just um you know you'll be you'll be healed from your homosexuality if you just do this and then it doesn't work well that just yeah. causes so much pain i mean it's like yes. well what's wrong with me i can you know these people are telling me this and now it doesn't work Yes. So there must be something wrong with me that, you know, and whatever. Yes. And statistically, it leads to self-hatred, to suicide ideation, mm -hmm. to self-harming behavior. It, it's, it's not just passive. Okay, we'll try this for a while. And if it doesn't work, well, they never say if it doesn't work, we'll let you go. But, um, you know, we'll try this. It's not benign, the trying. It's damaging. Uh, to, yes, right. to self-esteem and psyche and well-being and all of those things. They, it makes you, instead of integrated, it makes you disintegrated as a person. So it's very damaging. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
And many, let me say that many churches, even though we are getting bans for ex-gay or conversion therapy and, and working toward that state by state and would love to have a national ban, we, we cannot be, be, have a false sense of security because many churches um, do this kind of stuff under other names. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. And so, and, and they will, they have religious exclusion and they always will, I presume. And so um, just because it is banned legally does not mean it doesn't still occur in every, you know, city in, in churches, in uh, chaplains offices, whatever. Pastors yeah. Offices right. And yeah. It's the same mentality is carrying yeah. on whether they have a formal program or not. Yeah. Right. So we have, what we have to do is make it anathema to people where they say, Oh, Ooh, that doesn't work. No, we won't send our child to that. Right. And, I and realize how damaging it. it really is. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yes. So uh, let's pivot a little bit. Um, talk about the Bible. Uh, how did you come to realize that, you know, something was wrong with this rule book approach to interpreting homosexuality <laughs> in the Bible. And then you, you went on this, this, uh, you say, I want to find answers to myself. You know, what did you learn in your research and what was your conclusion? Yeah. Well, I did think finding answers was really important because if we're going to condemn, which is not, a, even if it says it's wrong to condemn the, this community, is not what we're told to do anyway. But if we're going to stand on the Bible condemns this, I'd like to see it. Let's, let's take a look at it. And the, as I began to study and look, I thought, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are only six verses that are even related to this. And they don't even say what I, I was led to believe they say. Hold on. <laughs> And, right. and I learned that the word homosexuality was invented in the 1800s and it was added to the Bible in 1946. Mm -hmm. It was added to the Bible and not to replace a similar word that means the same thing. Mm -hmm. It was a different concept. And where it says, in, and I won't go into all this, but in, in the Old Testament, Leviticus, where it says, man shall not lie with another man. Mm -hmm. The original word there is a boy. Canadian schnabber in the German, I think it is. Oh, that, really? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, man shall not lie with a boy because that was the practice that, you know, these young um, apprentices, the man of the household would, would have sex with. And, mm -hmm. the, and the Bible's saying, no, you can't do it. Well, I agree with that. Right, and, yeah. You know, right. we should not be having sex with children, period. And men especially because they are the ones you know, the predominance of perpetrators should not be having sex. And the whole, that whole section, I don't mean to go so deeply into this, but that whole section of Leviticus says it, it was all about who the man should not be having sex with because he's the householder and all these people live in his house. That's how they did it. And so don't have sex with the mother-in-law, with the sister, with the, you know, grandmother, with the children, all he can't have sex with. Well, we've turned it into these two consenting males now can't have sex. God hates that. But, but you know, we still have priests having sex with children and pastors yeah. too having sex and all of that. But we've reduced it 
So yeah, right. And uh, yeah. Sorry, I got on a rabbit trail, but what I'm trying oh, to say. Oh no, is... no, no! This is not a rabbit trail. It's so okay. important because it's the it's what you're describing is um, the historical context of the Bible. Yes. Yes. And uh, you know, we we don't really understand. I mean, uh, the other thing that people are completely blind to is that uh, the Bible also um, uh, allows and even in some cases encourages men to have more than one wife, for example. And, exactly. And so here we are, and they to people totally ignore that, or they say, well, that wasn't, they, that, it's not endorsing it or whatever, but it's, when you yeah, really are honest about, about the text, it really does right. endorse it. It says, here's the wife that God gave you. These right. are the wives God gave yeah. you. Oh, right, and, uh, and it okay. even says if you're, in Leviticus, if, you're, uh, if your brother, um, you know, dies and uh, hasn't had a had a child, then you should marry his his wife, even if you already have a wife. Yes. So, so, yeah. So it's written into the law. Yeah, it's written into the law, <laughs> right? right. Yeah. So all these things that are right. So the, you got to know the context, and then the other context in that particular Leviticus uh, passages and so forth, and this is all through the Old Testament, is the the cultic prostitution. It was yes. called shrine prostitution that was so typical in antiquity uh, yes. where um, uh, men and women uh, would have sex with uh, priests or priestesses uh, in temples to appease a, a, a god. And yes. so, so much of the, the prohibitions were about that. Yes. And not about the way we understand mutual uh, loving right. relationships, same sex relationships. So if you don't right. see that, then it's just like, well, you don't even you're not even talking to what they were meaning when they had those. those right. Uh, and and what's worse is you're not even willing to hear, because when I talk about this mm -hmm. with people, if they're, it, 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 you know, oftentimes they'll do a pivot and say, well, OK, but what about instead of saying, really, are you serious here? And 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 letting it yeah, deconstruct it their understanding. It doesn't sink in, right? They just go right. to another verse. It's They'll go to Romans instead. or something, you know. <laughs> right. It's like oh, you want me to do the same thing with Romans? I can do that, but are you going to hear that? Either, yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it's it's a um, it's a mentality uh, a a programming of of sorts where people really aren't allowed to think these things through and really right. examine them right and there's a reason for that yeah because if they're allowed to think it through they won't come to the conclusion that this church is a be-all end-all and all of my resources and support and allegiance better go to this church because jesus did, wasn't church building jesus was society building and he was he ah, was i like the hierarchy way pulling down he mm -hmm. he was challenging hierarchies and the church is a hierarchy mm -hmm. and so they can't really listen to what jesus said they have to keep people focused on supporting the hierarchy so don't look at the man behind the curtain don't look closely at these scriptures because they'll lead you out from under your need for us and we need you to need us that's how we stay a hierarchy oh yeah you're so true it's it's the uh um, the church, that's another thing to deconstruct this whole idea of church. You know, Jesus was talking about, as you said, uh, humanizing society and, and, yes. and bringing compassion into society. He wasn't talking about 
institutional churches. <laughs> right. He wasn't talking about denominations. He wasn't talking about, oh, you guys are going to make a, um, uh, an institutional version of the synagogue and right. you know, that's my way. No, he wasn't talking about that at all. So you have to deconstruct all that too. Right. Uh, otherwise you get to these, these dilemmas where like you're describing, where, well, look, yes. you know, if I, we go there, then we're going to have to deconstruct our whole view of the church and et cetera. So right. that is another interesting topic uh, <laughs> on the church. But you know, like I had said before, these are all connected. Interconnected, yes. so yes. Uh, it's fascinating. You, if if you're if they're having people are having struggling with the LGBTQ uh, issue, um, they're going to use the Bible. They're going to use the church. They're going to use other things that are in their their toolbox to kind of bash gays. Um, and and uh, when you start to realize what the truth is then you unpeel, oh, the Bible is one thing, the right. church is another thing, the hierarchy, the way that we view uh, how God uh, uh, operates in the world, et cetera. So um, another, uh, I, I wonder, you must have gotten some, um, you, you talked a little bit about it, some, how your friends just kind of like, you know, had a, had a particular way of, responding to you didn't call you up and right. I, I suppose there was a feeling of rejection what what was it like to be feel rejected by friends and family who you know yeah. to support your daughter and they said well you know forget that it was very it was very interesting to go through that experience because um we were we did lose friendships that we thought we had and not only at that church, but, you know, other people from previous churches and other people that we were close to um, just wanted nothing to do with us. And we were very fortunate because Rob and I were in the same of the same mind from the beginning. So I didn't have to wonder if my marriage was on the rocks and neither did he. So that was really fortunate. But um, so it allowed us to to say, OK, well, then there you go, you know, and, um, but we, it was harder and they, we lost some long time friends that way. And then also, um, family, we had family that's very conservative that rejected us. We found out about a, a family reunion. We found out about that night on Facebook from all the pictures. Mm -hmm. We were not invited to it. We oh, were, wow. That wow. was a devastating yeah. Thing, for which there's been no apology or or admission of wrong at all um and and it's i really feel for people who lose friends family community and especially younger people that are maybe still at home and their family is now abusing them uh and it, for being gay and it, it's just and they're tortured they have nowhere to go i feel awful for that right. but the parents are the ones who need to protect the child, not add abuse to the child. Yeah. 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 It, it's, um, it's very painful when, you know, your family and friends do respond that way. I've yes. had the same experience. Um, and there's, uh, there, there's a, a either at, at best there's an awkwardness, and yes. at worst, there's outright rejection, like you described, oh, don't get invited. 
uh, invited to things, et cetera. And yeah. both both are hurt are hurtful, but um, uh, it, it's um, it's unfortunate that that's the way that that people are taught. And yes. one of the things that you uncover is that they really think that they're doing the right thing. And right. like you know, there are Bible verses that say, "Don't associate with someone who's sinful in this way." Right. So. Right. So that's what they're doing. They're like, oh, you know. Jesus doesn't say that. Paul Jesus, says that. Right. I but, think it's Paul, but not Jesus. So Yeah, that's yeah. true. And But there's also uh, other ways of looking at it. Like, no, wait a minute. You know, uh, uh, there, are, there, there may be a place for, um, you know, standing up against someone who's really harming other people mm -hmm. and making a stand, right? so yes. that other people won't be harmed but this is not the case i mean right. this is the thing that's so hard, amazing it's like no one's trying to you know a, the a, per, a typical uh person in the lgbtq community they're not harming other people they're exactly not, they're just exactly. they just want to live their life and 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 love who they love and, it, and and if people could really think this through they would say wait a minute this admonition is more directed at the pastor who is abusing children and women. And I have counseled yeah, women right. and teens who's, who've been raped or molested by their pastor. So our, our, if we were being authentic, we'd say that's where that admonition comes in. The pastor right. needs to be out of authority, needs to be prosecuted, needs to be removed from endangering other people. We saw that with the whole priest thing in the Catholic church and really nothing was done basically. And so many of them just remained in power. And if we were authentic, that's where we go. But to do that dis disrupts the hierarchy. And so that's why we're conditioned not to do that. Let's let the hierarchy stand. I know these priests and pastors have really hurt people, but it's a small price to pay to maintain our power structure, our money, and our hierarchy. So, right. sorry for the yeah. collateral no. damage. <laughs> yeah, I you know. know. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So let's pivot a little bit more to your organization, um, yes. Freed Hearts. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm really encouraged that you started this. Um, mm -hmm. how, does, how does your organization help the LGBTQ community? Uh, let's say, let's first of all, deal with rejection and bullying and, and so yeah. forth. I bring a different voice to these people. I love them well, and I, I dismantle their pain and their misunderstanding. I wrote a book called um, True Colors and did an accompanying video course, True Colors, Celebrating the Truth and Beauty of the Real You. And the idea of it is to help dismantle the, um, the pain that they've endured, the trauma from societal and family and church rejection and their internalized hatred because of how they've been treated. And I, I lift them into a different place. I give them a different narrative on how God really sees them and how the, who they really are. Mm, and it's incredibly great. powerful. And I do the same with parents, with mom, I'm gay. Um, 
in that video course as well as the book where I help the parents say, wait a minute, you're not the one who needs to be answering for embracing your gay son. The church is the one that needs to answer for why they wouldn't. You mm-hmm. are the one Jesus is calling to love and embrace and protect your child, not love and embrace and protect the hierarchy of the church. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I help give them a different rope ladder of theology and of common sense understanding that helps them um, view it all differently. Because left to the previous narrative from the church that wants to maintain their allegiance, you know, they, they don't know how to navigate out of it. So it's, it's really a privilege to be able to reach people and bring light and illumination to them and a closer following of Jesus for those who, who want that. Right, um, right. Rather you know, than what they've gotten from church, which right. is not following Jesus at all. Uh, yeah, it, it is amazing. There's a, uh, in the deconstruction process, there mm-hmm. is a, uh, an, a realization that, wow, I actually wasn't following Jesus with X, Y, and Z. Wow, I was right. really off the mark on this. And, and then yes. there's, there's the realization that, you know, the majority of people, this is kind of the sad part it, to me, is the majority of people are really well-meaning about yes. what they think they should be doing. And they're yes. almost, they're victims themselves of this, yes. this programming. That's right. And, That's and right. so, I mean, there are people who are, should know better and still push it. And those are the people that it really should be held accountable. But your average person is really kind of like, ah, you know what, who's to me, who, who am I to question this? I've been in the church for 20, 30 years, my whole life. This is right. all I know. Right, and, and they, they never don't. knew they, they. We just watched the show, "The Floor Is Lava," the other last night. Yes, oh you yeah, know. we were watching that too this yeah. over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, which With my we grandkids, all play as kids, right? Yeah, and we don't real. So the people you're describing who are long standing in the church, they don't realize the floor is lava because they never put their foot down there. But when their child comes out, suddenly they're pushed to the floor, and now they're mm-hmm. in lava because they, they have to choose to, what, embrace their own family members versus reject them? What? How did rejecting them become the Christian answer? So right. But you're right, they're deeply conditioned and, um, and terrified. That's another thing about this conditioning about the, the church hierarchy is it, and, and institutions, is that it makes people terrified to step outside of that bound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know? it, it's so fear-based. It's, yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're frightened. It's totally fear-based. And so yeah. there's consequences if you do. I mean, if I, if I step out yes. of this, I might, I'm going to be called a heretic, an apostate. Right. I'm going to be tried. People are trying to discipline me, correct me. They might. But it only me. works. Yeah. It only works as long as you, let it work. I, I mentioned a rope ladder. I make a rope ladder for people to get out of that narrative is, is when they can create, can discover that there's another narrative. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus told me to embrace those around me. He'd, he said, don't pay attention to these institutions. The ones he, the only ones he got mad at were religious leaders who rejected people. We should be making note of that. Mm-hmm. But 
-hmm. so so to create this new narrative then they can cross that bridge and wave back at the old people they used to know and not be affected by them because the church has only um, effect on them as long as they stay under their authority but when they are able to get out of it which can be a very big challenge then they're beyond their reach the church can't have yeah them that's very important you the have church, to get out yeah. you have to church step can't out have of their it. home taken away they can just yeah malign them and scare them they can only scare them yeah that's right yeah so i i um so these are courses that you have for mm -hmm. for people Yes, um, and we have a big online uh, online community for for moms and one for dads, and we have a, a community for LGBT. So we have various ways that we do this. Right. I go and speak places. Yeah, because I remember now you asked me about what we do in this work. Um, I go and speak. I do. Uh, I have a YouTube channel of videos. Um, so I just I'm creating a new narrative. Our 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 purpose is to change the human conversation on love and inclusion. And that's what we do. And we reach the outlier, the one who's been hurt, and tell them they are worthy, they matter, they belong, they have a place here. God is not mad at them, never has been. They, who they are is not shameful. Right. But it's lovely. So, uh, yeah. It's, um, it's obvious to me that, you know, those, the, the people in the community, LGBTQ community, um, they're going to be starving for this. I mean, it's like, especially yes. if they grew up in the church, right? Yes. So what the the biggest, I mean, it's like, if you can get people to, to, to find you who, yes. you know, typical gay person in the church, they're, they're going to go, oh yeah, I want to check this out. Right. Yes. Yes. But it's the, but the parents, I, I just, I kind of, that must be a, a much bigger challenge to get the parents. I mean, I, I understand parents, some parents are going to respond like you did and go, yes. wow, I, I need to side with my child. But yes. there are other parents who, who are just thinking, oh no, this is, my child is now in danger. Yes. I'm going to be the hero and try to save my child from this right. terrible thing of being, of, of, of that, you know, they'll, they'll come up with all kinds of uh, rationalizations. Oh, you know, the, right. um, the society, our liberal society has done this and they, yes. and you know, they're, they've been, they've been hoodwinked by liberals and, and terrible people. Yes. <laughs> and now they yes. think they're gay and they're really not. And we're, you know, it's like stuff. And like that's, that's all conditioning. I mean, yeah. even those who say, well, I knew when he was two, but I, that he was gay, which clearly meant it came from him. Yeah. It was inborn, um, but, I'm, but I'm still praying it away. Well, you know, there are people that are so conditioned they'll never see that the, the foundation they're standing on is actually on fire. <laughs> but yeah, there and, many, and that is sadly true. I found that to be true. Some people will never yeah. change their mind because they are but so there conditioned. there are many who have leapt out of the burning building, who have found so much peace in, in us, in our message, and what we that's great. Assure them with it. It's, it's transformational. I get emails every day from parents and LGBTQ alike that are saying, you, you saved our lives. You saved wow, us. Wow, that's amazing. And it's just by telling the truth and, and um, dismantling the fear that they've been conditioned into. Right. Any system that conditions you in fear is not a system you want to put your allegiance in. That's right.
So yes. what, what attracts the parents mostly? Are they like, do they come in like going, okay, I'm willing to, to, to hear what this person has to say, but they're very skeptical or are they like, okay, you know, I got to get out of the church and, and then they're re- willing to go into your courses. I think that they're most of the moms and it's mostly moms who write us first. The dads write too, but the moms mm-hmm. are more, and they, they're, they're driven by their now desperate need. They see that they're in a dilemma. They never had an issue before between loving their child and loving God. And mm-hmm. now suddenly this feels like, oh my gosh, I have to choose between God and my child, which was, is never the choice from God's perspective, only from the church's perspective. And so um, they, they're in need and they come to us and say, I don't know what to do. My son said he's gay and we, we are 30 years in the church. My husband's a pastor. What do we do here? And, and so it's their need that drives them and their love for their child, because it's not just uh, uh, somebody on the street that they can just turn the door, close the door to it's their child and their, their inborn paternal maternal instincts say, you know, you need to embrace your child, but they don't know how to do it and be faithful. So right, but it's, right. it's, it's, it is not, the answers are not hard at all. They're very simple. It's just getting it in past that web of fear mm-hmm. right. for them to hear. And suddenly then they're, then they're usually kind of mad. Like, I've been lied to. Yes. I've been sold, <laughs> you know, a false bill gospel. Of goods. Yeah. yeah, bill of goods. And, you know, so when they, when they do get it, they really kind of get like mama bears. <laughs> yeah, I, I could bears. see that. Yeah. I could see that. So, so That's are you, right. uh, would you say that the courses are equal or more, more of the, uh, uh, less of the parents are, are oh. taking advantage of this? The mainstay has been the parents, but we've really expanded into the LGBTQ community as well. I'm not okay. expanded. We've always been addressed to both, but more and more seem to be finding us. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's equal. I don't really. Okay. Yeah. My okay. husband probably I mean, know that. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. The, st- the st- stat guy would check right, the stats. Right. The right. The logistics guy. Right. Um, okay. So we are going to start a podcast, which I'm very excited oh, nice. about okay. in the next few weeks. We've, we've had so much to say and a podcast feels like the way for us to do this. Now we're finally got the logistics going enough that we can do this. And so I hope people will look for it. It's, it'll be called freed hearts, the podcast. Nice. Um, oh, that'd so, be great. Yeah. Well, um, I'm really impressed. Uh, uh, one other thing I want to, kind of mm-hmm. dive into is uh, what, what the results have been. I know you've mentioned a few things, but, you know, when, when you free up uh, both gay people who have felt trapped in, in fundamentalism or their parents, you know, yeah. what, are the, what are the results? Uh, how, how are people responding to your, your content? Oh, my gosh. They're, they find freedom, and they're like a new person they're like a whole new person. The results have been spectacular for people who will, who will stick long enough just to kind of unfold their fear and get to the, the nuggets here, because this is truth and it resonates for people. 
Um, so there was, I mean, we, we help reconcile families, kids that might've been kicked out are not kids, wow. that, you know, might've been driven to suicide are not or self-harm. It, it's really restorative both to the individuals and to the family. Um, so it's really powerful work that we do. And we love doing it. You know, that's, we're, that's we're, cool. we're in a reformation. We're in a reformation, which affects society, not just religious society, but all of society when it happens. Then it happens about every 500 years. And, it, and 500 years ago was the Great Reformation where the Catholic you, Church... You must have read Phyllis Tickle's work. <laughs> I have read some of her work. I do love her. Um, yeah. And the, the Catholic Church, which means universal Catholic does. So it was the stranglehold on, on religion in society. And it was way too powerful as any stranglehold is. It's strangling. And those who spoke out against it, Luther, Calvin, um, many, uh, Valdo, people who spoke out against it were labeled heretics. But now all of the evangelical Christians within our, the sound of our voice are Christians through that Protestant protesting, mm-hmm. Protestant um, tradition. So the heretics became the heroes. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're facing today, that those of us who are speaking the way I'm speaking and you're speaking are the heretics turned heroes because we're moving society forward out of a stranglehold of evangelicalism in this country that has been given, it's been given a lot of um, favor. The church has been here in this country they're tax-free i mean so many things there mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. many things um and but they're we're facing a day of reckoning and it takes a long time and you have to uh do your work to have it happen and you you when you're on the front lines you can really get hurt but um yeah it, yeah it's, it's 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 an exciting time um it, it's uh, so many of the things when I first started in the evangelical church and as a teenager and in my twenties, there wasn't all this stuff uh, that that's out there. Right. So there's a, there's a wave of, of content and reformation as you, if you, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. where people are rethinking so many things. Right. Uh, and it's really wonderful. And so there's, there's great content, but there's still, there's still resistance and it's, it's sad that, but I, I think I think we're making big progress. Uh, big progress. And and, and and that's exciting. So yes. um, uh, how can how can people take advantage of your courses? What what, what are the uh, how do they go connect to, to you? Go to freedhearts.org and everything is there. My TED Talk is there. My yep. courses are there. My books are there. Um, my YouTube channel is there. So. Everything is at freedhearts.org, F-R-E-E-D-H-E-A-R-T-S.org. So yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Right. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll put the word out. Uh, this is a Good. great Thank resource you. for yeah. anyone in the LGBTQ community who yes. has uh, grown up in a conservative Christian church in particular, but any conservative religion yes. and has, has this issue or uh, parents who um, are starting to rethink, maybe they need yes. to rethink uh, how they've been taught in the church about uh, what, you know, 
the nature of homosexuality, et cetera, and how God really does view it, uh, you're going to find some really great material in, in uh, Susan's yes. uh, website and organization. So this has been really uh, very cool, Susan, that we uh, we could we could get this conversation going and we can talk about what you've done. I'm really impressed. Thank you. And uh, uh, we'll have to continue to connect. Um, yeah. I, I'm looking at a much larger, uh, a pair, uh, let's say, um, view of, mm -hmm. of the situation, not just about LGBTQ, but also right. so many other things about what I would call harmful theologies that we were taught in conservative churches. And though all those theologies need to be addressed and deconstructed. Right. What, what I teach is that uh, history the study of history, historical context, uh, uh, cultures of human antiquity, etc. That's the key to unlocking um, how to rethink these things, because that's so right. much of what we we uh, are taught is like we're actually reading into the Bible something that was never there, and yes. and we need to go back and look and see what the context of the Bible was, and then really take what the Bible is really saying and also understand that, you know, the Bible was a book that humans just chose which, which books they decided were scripture and which weren't. <laughs> That's a whole nother yes. issue. <laughs> That's another old thing. Yes. <laughs> right. And so we, you know, you don't have to uh, accept absolutely everything, but you can, in my view, look through the Bible, uh, look through the lens of Jesus and his love ethic, and that will really yes. make a huge difference. If, if you don't mind, let me just say yeah, go to ahead. encourage that if you are LGBTQ or a parent or a family member or just someone in the church who's kind of sick of this, let me say that you matter, you're worthy, you belong, you have a place. God is not mad at you. God is not wanting to change the, the stripes of who you are. And love always feels like love. Real love feels like love. Even when it's difficult, it doesn't feel like shame mm. and, and, you know, fracture. And so right. continue on this path because there are good things ahead for you as you press into love and not into fear. Fear will, will wreck you. So you have a place and you matter. I just want you to know that. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, that's a great place to end. A uh, very mm -hmm. encouraging note for people. Uh, Susan Cottrell, uh, she knows what she's talking about because she's mm -hmm. lived through this in her family and uh, uh, years being in a church, uh, evangelical church movement. So, um, and most importantly, she's got content and it works and the results are amazing. Uh, freeing people up yeah. in so thank many you. ways. So Susan, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. We'll have to stay in touch. And, You're uh, welcome, Michael. It's a pleasure. Yeah. And folks, uh, that ends our episode today, the Spiritual Brew Pub podcast. Check out for future episodes. Check out uh, freedhearts.org to get Susan's material. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time on the Spiritual Brew Pub. Enjoy responsibly. The Spiritual Brew Pub Podcast. 
will help you navigate spiritually after or during a belief shift, deconstruction, or crisis of faith. Not to try to convert you to a particular destination, but give you the resources you need to evaluate your future belief or unbelief and help you follow the religious historical evidence wherever it leads. I'm your host, Michael Camp, a recovering conservative evangelical, the operative word being recovering, sharing my journey and helping others rebuild faith or a reasoned philosophy of life. So grab your brew of choice and learn how fact-based history helps us both critique and rethink faith. Why do we call it a brew pub? Because we like to hang out in them, at least metaphorically. A pub is a great place to let your hair down, share your true thoughts about your journey, and discuss things with an open mind in a non-judgmental environment.